1: 888- 235-7374. And now here's the host of Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Hey,
0: hello. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, good evening to those of you listening to our live broadcast tonight, July 30th, 2013. And hello to those of you listening to a rebroadcast or an Internet archive within a few minutes of the show close or rebroadcast some other time. Great you're listening. Uh, we are live most Tuesdays, and we rebroadcast special programs Wednesday and Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. But, of course, you can access any of those programs at will uh, through the Internet. Okay, um, Yes, we're here on Blog Talk Radio, and even though you, when you listen to the archived programs, because they can come from 2006, um, they may be me talking about a different radio station. But just realize, we are live always Tuesdays on Blog Talk Radio, and we do the rebroadcasts also on Blog Talk Radio. Okay, you're listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner, Parthenia Izzard, here on Blog Talk Radio on the Internet. Uh, now, uh, to call into the program, call 619-789-6835 or send instant messages during the show through the link on the Blog Talk Radio homepage. To find the program, if you don't subscribe to my e-card, uh, enter my name or the name of the program in the Blog Talk Radio search box. Any problems with internet links and anything of that nature, give me a call after the program at 866 866- Four seven two six zero nine four. Now on this program, we discuss alternative medicine therapies, related products and issues, and we do it with the experts. Only try the therapies shared here after consulting with your physician. Now, last week our live guest was Raymond Francis, author of Never Be Sick Again, and he'll be back in September with his new book, Never Feel Old Again. And at the end of the, um, at the end of. Tonight's program, we will discuss the herb yucca and the asana salabhasana one, and then next week, my live guest, Tuesday, August 6, 2013, will be Dan Krause Green, author of I Call Myself... Earth Girl. Uh, If you missed any show, you can go to my website at www.amtherapies.com, click on the radio link to hear the show. For appointments with me, face-to-face or remote, and for general information, call 866-472-6094. And now remember, you can purchase an autographed copy of the book I co-authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health, on my site. Again, that's www.amtherapies.com, and that's where you should go to make that wonderful resource a gift to yourself and or a friend. You can also follow me on Twitter, Alternative Medi, and don't forget Eat Right for Your Type and New Skin Supplements and Beauty Products, where beauty and wellness meet technology. Now today, today I'm going to be speaking with John Leslie. He's the co-editor of The Mystery of Existence. Why is there anything at all? And at the end of tonight's program, we will discuss the herb aloe and the asana bujagasana. Now it's time for our wellness news. Human cells respond in healthy, unhealthy ways to different times of happiness. Uh, this came out from ScienceDaily.com on uh, July 29, 2013. Uh, human bodies recognize at a molecular level that not all happiness is created equal, responding in ways that can help or hinder physical health, according to new research led by Barbara L. Fredrickson, uh, Canaan, Distinguished Professor of Psychology at the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. The the sense of well-being derived from, quote, a noble purpose, uh, end quote, may provide cellular health benefits, whereas, quote, simple self-gratification, end quote, may have negative effects. Despite an overall perceived sense of happiness, researchers found, quote, a functional genomic perspective on human well-being, end quote, was published July 29 in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Quote, philosophers have long distinguished two basic forms of well-being, a hedonic form of representing an individual's pleasurable experiences and a deeper uh, eudaimonic... Form that results from striving toward meaning and a noble purpose beyond simple self-gratification, end quote, wrote Fredrickson and her colleagues. It's the difference, for example, between enjoying a good meal and feeling connected to a larger community through a service project, she said. Both give us a sense of happiness, but each is experienced very differently in the body's cells. Quote, we know from many studies that both forms of well-being are associated with improved physical and mental health beyond the effects of reduced stress and depression, but we have had less information on the biological basis for these, these relationships, end quote. Collaborating with a team from the University of California at Los Angeles, led by Stephen W. Cole, professor of medicine, psychiatry, and behavioral sciences, Fredrickson and her colleagues looked at the biological influence of hedonic and uh, eudaimonic well-being through the human genome. They were interested in the pattern of gene expression within the people's immune cells. Now, past work by Cole and colleagues had discovered a systematic shift in gene expression associated with chronic stress, a shift, quote, characterized by increased expression of genes involved in inflammation, end quote, that are implicated in a wide variety of human ills, including arthritis and heart disease, and, quote, a decreased expression of genes involved in antiviral responses, end quote, the study noted. Cole and colleagues Coined the phrase "quote conserved transcriptional response to adversity," uh, end quote or CTRA to describe this shift. In short, the functional genomic fingerprint of chronic stress sets us up for illness, Fredrickson said. But if all happiness is created we equal and equally opposite to ill being, then patterns of gene expression should be the same regardless of hedonic or eudaimonic well being. Not so sound the researchers. Eudonic... I'm sorry. Eudomonic well-being. It's very strange. When you're doing the technical as well as trying to share the news, it gets a little You trip over your own tongue, it seems. Well, anyway, eudaimonic well-being was indeed associated with a significant decrease in the stress related CTRA gene expression profile. In contrast, hedonic well-being was associated with a significant increase in the CTRA profile. Their genomics-based analyses Uh, the authors reported, revealed the hidden costs of purely hedonic well-being. Fredrickson found the results initially surprising because study participants themselves reported overall feelings of well-being. One possibility, she suggested, is that people who experience more hedonic than eudaimonic well-being consume the emotional equivalent of empty calories. Quote, their daily activities provide short-term happiness yet result in negative physical consequences long-term, end quote. Uh, We can make, quote again, ourselves happy through simple pleasures, but those empty calories don't help us broaden our awareness or build our capacity in ways that benefit us physically. At the cellular level, level, our bodies appear to respond better to a different kind of well-being, one based on a sense of connectedness and purpose, end quote. The results bolster Fredrickson's previous work on the effects of positive emotions, as well as research linking a sense of connectedness with longevity. Quote, understanding the cascade to gene expression will help inform further work in these areas. End quote, she added. Okay, and, and this is definitely appropriate <laughs> for this evening's discussion. Um, Um, Now, my guest this evening, as I mentioned earlier, is John Leslie. Now, he is University Professor Emeritus of Philosophy at the University of, and I know I'm going to mispronounce it, Gulf, my best (laughs) attempt. Well, was that okay? What is it?
3: Was that okay? Yeah, Gulf is the correct pronunciation
0: thank you Uh, in canada and fellow of the royal society of canada well known in the philosophy of cosmology and religion he has held visiting professorships at institutions including the australian national university research department of philosophy and the university of liege uh, institute of astrophysics John Leslie is the author of numerous publications, including Value and Existence, Universities, uh, The End of the World, The Science and Ethics of Human Extinction, Infinite Minds, and Immortality Defended. Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. Good evening um,
3: Thank
0: And how are you this evening? <laughs> I well, have been
3: we- very interested to the, in the lead up to this
0: about the effect
3: of <laughs> I- us. Being nice on your genes and your stress levels. (laughs) You know, that's only by chance. I picked the news piece before
0: I scheduled you. It just so happens that they coincided. (laughs) But in any event, um, why don't you start out by telling us a bit about yourself or your upbringing and and how it set the stage for or inspired you, uh, your interest in questioning existence.
3: Well, I first uh, became interested in why the world exists at uh, age 17. And I started my little notebook on my preferred explanation, and then some years later I found my grave disgust that a philosopher a very famous called Plato had <laughs> got there first, and uh, <laughs> I almost dropped the subject, but... Uh, Uh, I I, I continued onwards, I have been for many years um, basing my research, most of it, around this question, why there is a world not a blank, and I rather like the platonic answer which is that somehow goodness is a creative force behind the world. Uh, Does that help?
0: Oh, yes, most definitely. Um, let's, uh, let me see, uh, is, is, let's say, well, why don't you share just briefly what you want your readers to leave believing, feeling,
3: wanting to do next? Well, this is a book on all the various ways in which leading figures, including philosophers, including religious leaders, including modern physicists, have reacted to this question. And uh, I don't want to uh, force on the leaders <laughs> uh, my particular views. And I have to bear in mind I have a co-editor who would slap me over the knuckles if I did. <laughs> but um, well, it would be nice if people went away uh, thinking that this is a really interesting problem and that uh, some of the ways of reacting to the problem uh, tend to make you happier with the universe, <laughs> but um, well, I... not all of them. I mean, some of them just say the universe just happens to be there, and uh, that's the sort of view which um, has been very popular among modern philosophers, and some of them says say the universe has to be there because of reasons of physics, and you might I think uh, that had nothing particular t- to do with making people happy or not. That's um, a general overview of the book, but um, there are particular authors in it who are especially relevant, particularly people reprinted in the volume. There are about 50 people reprinted, uh, but I made in preparation for this uh, talk, this interview, a little list of the people who might seem most interesting from the point of view of wellness and wholeness.
0: Ah, oh, okay. Well, oh, well thank you very much. Um, for our readers, I want to just tell them, well, first of all, I love the cover, and I love the title, and I, and I think it all goes together very nicely and that it does well represent the text. Um, I want to also thank you for its simplicity. Uh, you would think... A topic as complex as, as, uh, as this would take well, would it be harder to present uh, as clearly as you have? I guess is what i 'm trying to say yeah,
3: simplicity uh, is the result of tremendous effort i rewrote <laughs> that. I rewrote that uh, general introduction. Uh, I did most of the editorial work on this because i 'm the professional philosopher. Uh, I re- rewrote that introduction at least. Uh, Two dozen times, maybe thirty <laughs> times. <laughs> it well, reads as if it's just dashed off, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's it's beautiful. It flows
0: beautifully. It doesn't feel uh, like a text, yet it's a text. Uh, and I, I, I'm I'm really impressed. And I and I'm trying to emphasize it so people aren't put off. You know, cause they tend to think. Well, some people tend to think that books on these topics are. Uh, too pithy to really navigate through, but I, I think you've really, really done a wonderful job with this, and I, I'm certain it did take, as you said, many rewrites for m- much of it.
3: Well, well why don't I, I go... my level went through the roof while doing that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing those rewrites, so just bear that in mind. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, well, why don't you sort of lay a foundation for those who are not, you know, too on top of what all of this is as a jumping point and then get to those 50 people you were talking about or that, that condensation of the 50?
3: Well, there's the general problem of why there is a universe instead of a blank. And if you're trying to answer this problem, you may simply say, well, that's just how things happen to be. Uh, you may say there's no possible answer. And one reason people have had for saying there's no possible answer is that if you try to explain one thing, you always appeal to something else which you think is the explanation. For example, you have our universe and you say, well, God produced it. And uh, that's explaining one thing by reference to another thing. What I'm particularly interested in is whether you can get out of this by saying there have to be some realities which are bound to exist because they're sufficiently abstract. And um, I think a case of a reality of this sort would be two and two makes four. I don't think that comes into existence when your first set of four things come into existence or when the first mathematician comes into existence. I think it's an eternal truth that two and two make four. It doesn't depend on the existence of anything. (laughs) And uh, I'm particularly interested in people who uh, look at facts of that sort, very abstract facts, and try to say that the the existence of the universe is uh, in the end based on those abstract facts. So here you're trying to explain existing things by reference to something which, is some sort of reality, but is not itself an existing thing. Uh, Like two and two makes four, or uh, like certain ethical truths, truths about possibilities. For example, uh, a universe of a particular sort, if it existed, would be a good universe, and a a universe of another sort, if it existed, would be a, a terrible universe. Uh, this sort of abstract fact you might appeal to, to explain why there's a world. Uh, That's how uh, I myself got chiefly interested in this subject, looking at that.
0: Okay, well, very good. Yes, I think that puts a a good beginning, a good foundation for us to jump on. Now, so the gentlemen that you, or ladies ladies and gentlemen in your list... (laughs) that you want to focus on or highlight?
3: Well, um, some of the highlights are the golden oldies, uh Plato <laughs> and Aristotle, uh, Aquinas, who's very popular in the Catholic Church, uh, Spinoza, who thinks that the universe is the same as God, we're all part of God therefore, if uh, Spinoza is right, Uh, Leibniz who thinks that in some sense the world is the very best possible world and then in the book you have uh, a representative of Islamic thought Syed Hossein Naza Islamic thought is very often based on the idea that uh, Spinoza has as well that the universe just is God that we're all part of God and um, to the extent that uh, wellness is Dependent on a feeling of wholeness, a feeling of being one with the universe, you, you find that in Islamic thought, as well as in much Christian thought as well, and in Hindu thought. And then we, we have the, um, the Dalai Lama, who thinks that the universe is a collection of minds, and that the material world is some sort of mind-weaving and that, again, is sometimes associated with feeling at one with the universe and with your fellow human beings. And, in fact, the, the Dalai Lama, that's Dalai Lama 14, uh, is very well known as a extremely pleasant person who gets on well with everybody and makes everybody uh, feel good about themselves and about each other, wanting to help each other. So th- th- those are some of the people in, in this book who would be particularly uh, relevant, I think, to this program.
0: I agree. Very good. Um, why don't you hold that thought as we go to break, and we'll come back with you first. Okay, folks, you are listening to Wellness Homelessness and System. With me, psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner, Carcenia Izar. This portion of the program is sponsored by Alternative Medicine. Therapies in Pennsylvania. You can visit my website, ww.antherapy.com, and call our number for face-to-face and remote secure video conference appointments. That's 86-472-6094. You are hearing us live from music.
2: Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures
0: certified natural health care practitioners here on blog talk radio remember on my site www.amtherapies.com you can preview and purchase an autographed copy of the book I co-authored 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health Uh, my chapter is naturopathy Uh, you know with We all know there's nothing more important than your health, but between the overburdened medical establishment, blaring, crisis driven health headlines, and even our hectic lives, finding the information you and your family need can be next to impossible. We're here to help. We bring together 101 of the top lines in radically different branches of the healing professions to give you 101 simple, workable ways to attack disease overcome unhealthy habits, and live your life to its healthiest potential. Follow the link on my homepage. It's a beautiful blue book link. Okay, we are back with John Leslie, co-editor of The Mystery of Existence. Why is there anything at all? Okay, Mr. Leslie, let's go.
3: Well, you start
0: Well, we can start with the first person If you can elucidate a bit on that particular uh, philosophy And uh, again, how you tie that into the wellness, wholeness and wisdom concept uh, That most of us think we know a lot about
3: Okay A large number of people um, don't themselves say they have religious belief. But somehow they think that uh, goodness is responsible for the universe, and um, that is almost a religious belief. You could say it's a religious belief of a sort. And uh, that idea goes back to the philosopher Plato, who wanted to explain the world of of existing things like uh, stars and planets and trees and people, by reference to a world of abstract somethings, a world of abstract realities, which is somehow responsible for the world. Now, that's the sort of thing which many people uh, feel without having been introduced to philosophy. They just feel that behind the world is is some sort of creative force, um, that this creative force is a force for goodness, and um, that view is, is, I believe, very widespread. I think it would be exaggerated to say that unless you feel that goodness is somehow behind the universe, you're not going to be happy in your life, you're not going to be able to avoid stress and so on. But um, you as a psychologist, Parthenia, uh, would know that psychological um, surveys have shown that people who are in some way religious tend to be happier in their lives. One mm-hmm. just has to face that as a sociological fact. Right. And you, you, you could take the platonic, rather abstract uh, sort of religion as uh, one way of making you happier does does help. <laughs> well, that certainly helps with the first one.
0: Um well, well let me ask you this. I, I, a lot of people uh, I and I and this has come up in some other conversations and interviews with some of my other guests this whole concept of everything being an illusion and uh how one deals with okay if everything is an illusion are you, am i your illusion or are you my illusion and how do we determine illusion from reality and if so what is it and then why so what so it, it, can you can
3: you sort of um sort
0: of speak a bit well, on that kind
3: that. of Okay, one of the things that uh, this man, this philosopher Plato is famous for is the idea that um, goodness is somehow creating the universe. Another thing he's famous for is the view that um, the world which we see is uh, full of illusions and that the only realities are uh, abstract principles of mathematics, ethics, and so on. The good, the beautiful the true. Now, I I myself am not attracted by that. I think that uh, trying to say that the the world is illusory in in that way that we somehow got very wrong what's going on in the world, I I, I don't myself think that helps. And I, I think it can lead to such things as being indifferent to other people's suffering because you will tend to say, well, their suffering is just an illusion. And it will make you not concerned with your own suffering because you'll say, well, uh, it's just illusory that I'm suffering. And I I don't think that's a long-term answer. Uh, That's just my own take on this. I I do, though, think there are interesting ways in which you could say that the world we see is an illusion. And uh, this would involve saying that our, our, our normal picture of what's going on in the world is wrong. Uh, For example, some modern physicists have been saying that maybe we all live inside a gigantic computer. And um, this is rather like the view which you find in people like Spinoza and in uh, much Islamic thought, much Hindu thought, that we're all parts of a divine mind. Now, uh, there you'd have the divine mind instead of the computer mind. Uh, This sort of thing would mean that the world which we think we live in, which a lot of people think they live in, is in a way illusory. Uh, the, the real world is very unlike what they, they they think they're living in. There's no disagreement here about the actual pattern of events. Uh, if somebody falls off a cliff, for example, uh, he falls off a cliff uh, just as much if, if part of a divine mind as if just... Um, Part of the world is viewed by most modern physicists. But um, when you look at things against a background that you you might be, say, part of a divine mind, uh, then that uh, could could make you um, more at home in the universe, uh, happier with the universe. And it it could lead to increased uh, peace and so on in your mind, in your life.
0: Oh, there was something I I remember you had in the the book uh, where uh, it was more or less maybe we are a simulation of a possible world that is being uh, processed in some kind of a computer uh, to see if it's viable, uh, something of that nature.
3: Uh, I I, I was trying to say that the idea that... um, we're all part of a divine mind, which you find in um, philosophers like Spinoza, much Islamic thought, much Hindu thought, much Christian thought too. Um, uh, That view is not obviously silly, because you have something like it, which is being developed by uh, modern cosmologists, physicists, and so on, uh, taking Mm -hmm. seriously the idea that possibly our universe is just a, a the running of a huge computer program, which is um, produced by a, a very advanced civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one view is, is just as silly or just as clever as the other, you know? Mm-hmm. They, they, they stand and fall together. Uh, uh, other things, though, uh, I think w- would be useful when you're thinking of illusions, uh, thinking about the passage of time, A lot of people are are very worried about the fact that one day they're going to be dead. Uh, But um, Einstein at one stage said that uh, time is an illusion. And he meant by this that uh, time as we normally see it is illusory. We normally see time as uh, cutting away, eating away at reality and putting in new realities in place of old realities. And Einstein thought that that was just co- a completely wrong view about time. That uh, in some sense, everything which is real is, is real eternally. And so the, the lives of people who are dead, uh, they exist back there along the fourth dimension.
1: Uh, right.
3: I, I think this is a, an interesting way of seeing illusoriness in the world. That's to say, thinking that most people's picture of the world is, is actually wrong. Does it make sense? Oh yes, (laughs) yes.
0: I I think all of these different perspectives or solutions, as you refer to, as they are referred to in the book, uh, have. Some, I mean, they came from somewhere for a reason. <laughs> they have some basis. I, I try to honor, you know, everybody's uh, perspective uh, and then try to digest and cogitate and, you know, play around with my own solutions. Um, uh, there's one section, uh, I guess it's section, the second solution, No explanation needed. There are a lot of people who don't feel there is an explanation needed. Um, You want to talk a little bit about that perspective or that solution?
3: I I think it's a very respectable solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, One way of getting to it is like this, that um, the idea of an explanation is the idea of some sort of selector Mm -hmm. uh, which selected the world which we have. But even if the wasn't any selector, even if, for example, God wasn't there to do any selecting, uh, either the world would have to be uh, absolutely empty or it would have to be non-empty. And this is just a fact of logic, you know. You you couldn't have reality somehow unsure as to whether the world was empty or not. (laughs) And because the, the world has to be one way or the other, um as just a matter of a logic and it has to be one way or the other whether or not it's been selected like that it's quite respectable to think that um the world just happens to be the way it is so full of people and full of things and uh, ruled by laws of physics and so on and so on that, that's a very interesting view it's not a view my, i hold myself but um it doesn't need to be respected
0: are you going to at all share with us your
3: view, <laughs> since you brought it up? <laughs> Sorry, what, Maybe what toward the end? Well, I, I'm very keen on the platonic um, attitude to the world, and I tr- try to see the world as um, uh, as, as good as the platonic um, story would tend to suggest. Uh, I I think I can talk a little about this because in the book there is an article I allowed myself to reprint in the book in a previous volume of mine in the first edition it's called uh, Physical Cosmology and Philosophy I I, I didn't reprint anything of mine and I felt so bad about that later (laughs) that in the second edition I put something in. In, in in this book Uh, In this edited volume, I I have my own ideas in the form of an article. And there I suggest that if you're going to take the platonic view seriously, then you end up believing in an infinite number of minds, each of which knows everything worth knowing. Uh, So to speak, an infinite number of things like God as normally conceived. And then you think that you yourself are part of one of those minds. Uh, it's a very odd view. Uh, I get some very queer looks when I just uh, d- describe it like that.
0: Well, I'm, I'm sure not looking at your, nearly...
3: <laughs> your readers are shaking their heads and <laughs> wondering what lunacy is going to come next.
0: No, not at all. Uh, everything is fair, all is fair. Uh, well, okay, I mean, if you don't want to say more about that, that's fine. Um, we, we can touch on chance.
3: I'm on, on, sorry?
0: The third solution, chance.
3: Oh, the third solution, chance. Well, there are a number of people think that quantum physics is able to explain a, a universe. And they are inspired by the way that all around us um, particles are popping into existence and then vanishing very quickly, uh, just as the result of quantum laws. And it has been suggested by some people that the entire universe could be something which popped into existence just by quantum chance and didn't vanish quickly. And it can do this because although these uh, particles which are popping, in the, it, popping into existence and then vanishing all around us um, have a mass, they have energy which is uh, positive, in fact the universe is, uh, believe it or not, a universe which has zero energy. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is that all the things which we normally think of as the energy of the universe, uh, first things whizzing around, and then things which have energy built into them through Einstein's E equals mc squared, um, matter energy, uh, that sort of energy is, is balanced by the gravitational energy of the universe. And the, resu- the gravitational energy of the universe is, in some sense, negative. And the idea is that the negative energy of the, in the gravitational field cancels the positive energy of material particles and movements and so on. Um, you, you get a, a universe with zero energy and this could simply pop into existence and remain around for billions of years. Um, and that's a, a, a fascinating idea. It's uh, so far been pretty uh, vaguely worked out. Even the people who defend it uh, admit that um, it hasn't been well worked out, but that's an interesting suggestion, at any rate, that somehow quantum laws, instead of um, Plato's laws of goodness, uh, quantum laws are responsible for the universe, and that is the main subject of the the third solution discussed in the volume, that chance is uh, behind the universe.
0: Well, now and then you go on to the fourth solution: value perfection as ultimate.
3: Yeah, well, I've already talked about that. <laughs> well, well I'm just, the idea I'm that, that somehow through. goodness behind, but uh, here you have to bear in mind that there are uh, some people who think that um, what a force of goodness is responsible for is uh, God's existence. Uh, God exists because uh, his uh, God's existence is in some way absolutely required. God's nature successfully requires the fact that God exists. And uh, 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 other people think of value as operating in a more abstract way. Uh, they they think of uh, value as some sort of creative force uh, not having to be uh, put into effect by God and not um, not particularly associated with the existence of God on the one hand you have people like Plato uh, Plotinus who describe the situation very abstractly something very abstract is responsible for the universe somehow it's concerned with producing goodness and on the other hand you have uh, much of traditional religion uh, people like uh, Descartes St. Anselm who think of God as having an existence due to God's value. Uh, In modern times, John Polkinghorne, who was professor of mathematical physics at uh, Cambridge and then became a priest, um, he has uh, defended the view that God's existence is due to uh, the value of God, the, the fact that God ought to exist, so to speak, that's uh, what goes on in fourth solution, value perfection, the ultimate, in this edited volume.
0: Okay, just for the, um, the, our listeners, usually I do read the table of contents more or less to give them the flow of the text. I didn't do that this time, so things you know, we sort of touched on things a little bit out of order in, uh, as it regards to the book, but just let me give them the overview. Um, the, it starts out with... Um, uh, general introduction, uh, some quotations, you know, pertinent quotations from the field, if you will. Then uh, possible responses to why anything, which is a nice outline. Um, then section four is the first solution, a blank uh, is absurd. Five section uh, second solution, no explanation needed. Six third solution, chance. Uh, seven fourth solution value perfection as ultimate eight fifth solution mind consciousness as ultimate nine fine-tuning and multiple universes ten the problem seems genuine and then you have further reading index of names and index of concepts okay so um that's why we've sort of revisited because I'm now going through (laughs) the sections uh, as they're laid out now in your fifth solution as I mentioned the mind consciousness as ultimate Um, do you want to add anything with regards to that and then give us some
3: well on the one hand you have people defending the view that um, God's mind is ultimate and we have a, a very interesting piece by Richard Swinburne Uh, Swinburne reckons that God has no explanation but God is particularly simple to believe in and this is because uh, God can be described very simply for example uh, what does God know? He knows everything which can be known and you can state that very very quickly and one way of um, measuring simplicity is to look at the shortest uh, description of something which will say what the thing is. That's uh, Swinburne's approach. Uh, There are other people who take the view that um, God does have an explanation, and um, uh, it's somehow to do with a necessity in God's nature. They think of God as a divine mind. Uh, They're not very clear as to why this divine mind exists but they make it a matter of faith that uh, God exists and that God is a necessary mind. He couldn't have failed to exist. Uh, uh, And then we have um, Islamic thought uh, represented by Sayyid Hosen Naza particularly stressing the fact that in uh, much of Islamic uh, tradition uh, the entire universe is God wherever you look you see the face of God, and we have uh, the Dalai Lama saying that the universe is a collection of minds uh, and then we have a couple of physicists, Andre Lindy and Paul Davies, who aren't in any way pushing uh, a theological solution, but who, who think that modern physics shows that um, mind is behind the, the nature of the universe and here people have been particularly interested in the fact that the universe seems uh, fine-tuned for producing minds, for producing life, that if you change the nature of uh, physical forces very, very slightly, if you change uh, all sorts of uh, basic um, uh, qualities of the universe very, very slightly, you get a lifeless universe. Uh, that, that has impressed very large n- numbers of people. Uh, <coughs> making them think that mind is somehow behind the universe
0: okay hold that thought and then we we'll, when we return from break we'll move on to fine-tuning and the multiple universe okay you are listening to wellness Holiness, Listen, with me psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner Parthenia Izzard here on blog talk radio follow me on twitter you go to my website, www.amtherapy.com, and we'll find a link for purchasing blood type diet products. And we'll be back with John Leslie, co editor of The Mystery of Existence. Why is there anything at all?
2: Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures Why suffer when Alternative Medicine Therapies with Parthenia Izzard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com or call 610-658-0135. Alternative Medicine
1: Therapies. Yes, you are listening to Wellness and Medicine. With me, psychologist, and certified natural healthcare practitioner,
0: is Izzard. My live guest next week will be on Tuesday, of course, August 6, 2013, will be Jan Kraus-Green. She's the author of I Call Myself Earth Girl. At the end of that live program, we will discuss the Urbanese and the Asana Danarasana. Check the website to see who my rebroadcast guests will be next week, August 7 and 8, 2013. We are back with John Leslie, co-editor of The Mystery of Existence. Why is there anything at all? Okay, I wanted to, um, before we go into those next sections, uh, I wanted to know if you would give us or share with us contact information or website information uh, where people can purchase the book, the Mystery of Existence?
3: Well, it is uh, available online at a um, number of uh, online <laughs> sites. For example, <laughs> Amazon.com. <pieces. laughs> you seem <so laughs> surprised well that I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I and, want uh, people to go get the book.
0: Amazon.com, okay.
3: Yeah, and uh, go, go for the uh, paperback edition because uh, that is going for just over $20.00. If you go for the hardback, you're going to have to pay quite a bit more. Um,
0: and, um, hardback
3: feels better. So yeah, put, put uh, Mystery <laughs> of Existence, uh, Leslie and Kuhn, that's the name of the two editors, and it'll come up straight away and make sure you click on paperback and okay. then see how the book is doing. It keeps on going up and down, according to whose review it it recently <laughs> and I I'm expecting to see the massive jump after all <laughs> the publicity you're giving me. Yes. Uh, the, the latest me. things was um a review in First Things which was a Catholic journal and um uh, lots and lots of people read this and immediately there was a big jump. Wow <laughs> oh,
0: okay.
3: <laughs> We're not much uh Jim Holt's book, Why Does the World Exist but he he has a number of um of of people who are also reprinted in in our book, so uh-huh. we're hoping well I, mean, I,
0: I i i it should do well from my perspective i, I don't i don't follow the sales but
3: i, I do well, like it's, it's being it came out at the end of April it's already being reprinted, and that shows something oh
0: yes very
3: good and okay we, now our, go ahead yep. Are there any book signings or uh, events coming
0: up that the listeners need to know about? A-
3: any events coming up? Yes, where you gentlemen uh, well, might be
0: the book, speaking.
3: Or... N- no, this book will be um, largely represented at academic conferences. So if you went to Canadian Philosophical Association or American Philosophical Association meetings, You would find the the Wiley Blackwell store, and it would be prominently on display because this is one of their leading books this year.
0: Okay, (laughs) well, that's what they need to know. That's good. You never know who's listening. (laughs) Okay, now, another question I had for you is, how did you and Robert Lawrence Kuhn meet and decide to collaborate on this text? Well... You talk
3: about it a little bit in the book. Yeah, at the start. Uh, I simply say that I, I met him, uh, it was in fact in Los Angeles, uh, for filming for his Closer to Truth program. Uh, Rogers, uh, Robert's a very interesting man. He made a, a fortune in investment banking and then he decided to pursue what he has been interested in all his life, uh, the nature of the universe, the nature of consciousness, the nature of God. He has um, A doctorate in brain research uh, before going into investment banking and uh, a lot of his program is devoted to the nature of mind, the nature of consciousness but he also is interested in the basic nature of the universe and he has ever since uh, age 12 been interested in why there's a universe instead of utter emptiness now that that beats me I I have been interested (laughs) only only since age 17 (laughs) Anyway, uh, he's got such a stellar cast of uh, wonderful people in his closer-to-truth television, uh, public television programs, that I would have been absolutely mortified if he hadn't heard of me. But he had. (laughs) (laughs) He had me down to be uh, filmed in Los Angeles on this question of uh, why the world exists. And he he told me that he'd been interested ever since age 12. And I said, oh, dear, dear, that beats me. But still, I've been <laughs> hard at work at this for <laughs> for 50 years or so. <laughs> and uh, why don't we go go ahead and um, bring out a, a volume, and l- let's make this volume um, accessible to the general public. Yeah. I don't want a fussy uh, academic text. We're going to have top-class people, but uh, in their simpler writings, and we're going to cut out all the technicalities and so on. And Robert thought this was a wonderful idea, and it just took off from then. It it has been a tremendous pleasure working with Robert. Um, You can see why he made his fortune in investment banking. He really gets on well with people. At least he gets on well with me. (laughs) And uh, uh, we we looked at the entire field. Uh, He's quite an expert on it. He's uh, published a very nice survey article on attempts to explain why the world exists in the uh, well-known magazine Skeptic, and um, uh, I've been producing books and articles around this for ages, and on this basis we knew quite a bit about uh, who would be good, exciting people to reprinted this book, and I think we did a wonderful job of selecting them. And no, in, I uh, agree <laughs> compress, <laughs> Compressing what they've, they've, cutting out cutting out all all the technicalities and making mm. their the brilliant ideas absolutely shine so yeah. we we really are very pleased with this book i i, I pat um, Robert's on the back, and he pats me on the back, and I hope everybody else will pat us back on the back. Oh, we're
0: patting, we're patting, (laughs) we're patting. Well, it's the time of the program, I mean, it moves so fast, uh, where I ask my guests um, to share their final words of wisdom. So, what would you like to leave our listeners with this evening?
3: I would like them to um, look at the book and then see if they have their own ideas about why the world exists, because this is a completely open question. It's a fascinating question, and uh, I'm sure that among your listeners there will be people who will uh, get inspired by this question, fired by it, um, and put their ideas onto the Internet, try to uh, get other people interested in it, and... um, do something in the field i I think one of the things which makes life fun is actually um not just absorbing uh things from books and so on but also going out and doing something yourself uh, with what you have come across Uh, do become interested in this fascinating topic do produce your own ideas about it put them on the internet see how successful they are You may find that other people have had them before. Uh, You may find you have completely new ideas or that you have new twists on old ideas. Uh, Get these ideas out. Um, Robert Lawrence Kuhn and John Leslie will be uh, immensely gratified if the reaction to this book is a whole lot of people enthusiastically uh, working on this great problem, why there's a universe instead of emptiness. One. well okay. thank you
0: thank you so much and you have a wonderful evening rest of the evening and best regards
3: to Robert as well thank you thank you good evening bye then
0: bye bye okay. okay folks it is now time to refer to today's is, is Alice pulp from the inside of, the of leaves I'm certain many of you have an aloe plant in your kitchen my um, research for this is called some of the phytochemicals include beta-carotene uh, capsaicin, dynamic acid mint, some of the include amino acids calcium folate iron satiety, phosphorus potassium zinc vitamin A B1 B2 B3 C and E as an astringent, emollient, antifungal, antibacterial, and antiviral. Apply topically, it can burn and stimulate cell regeneration. Uh, allergic reactions, though, may occur in a susceptible person before using. Apply a small amount behind the ear or on the underarm. If stinging or resting, that should not be taken immediately during pregnancy, which can't
1: Now,
0: today's sauna is Bhaktasana, and according to Dr. Shah, um, it, is, it strengthens the complete spine, the posture does, um, posterior spinal muscles and ligaments, tones the larynx, heart, and neck muscles, broadens the chest, stimulates abdominal and pelvic organs, stimulates thyroid, parathyroid, adrenal glands... Strengthens the joints of the upper extremities, tones hip and thigh muscles. Uh, The practice is to lie down, and this is a yangar. Lie face down with feet together and the toes pointing back. Bend the elbows and place. The hands on the floor in front of the hips, fingers apart, draw the shoulders back and lift the head. Keeping the legs on the floor and the knees straight, inhale and raise the head, chest, and abdomen and straighten the arms. Press the sacrum and pubis down, extend the front of the body toward the chin and coil the spine backward. Do not strain. Take the head further back and look up without. Restricting the neck. Stay for from 20 to 30 seconds, breathing evenly. Exhale and come down. Okay, folks. You have been listening to well Podcast. 12th-
1: and
0: uh, it's archived immediately after the program. well 12th-